0: Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Rebel show. In the last episode we talked about why is it so hard to build a successful brand in 2020 and we started talking about the issues How to cut through all that noise that exists today on social media, on platforms, and competing against standalone websites. Well, we realized that we unpacked the problem, but now we want to give the recipe for a possible solution. How to actually cut through the noise in today's world and make it through all the difficulties. So with me today is Sharon, my co-host and my co-founder. Hi, Hey, take it away.
1: Yeah, so I want to start with a quick recap uh, for our audience, Um, what we spoke uh, in the last episode. And we have a name for it. It's called the decision fatigue. Um, This is, I think, the biggest problem we have in our culture today, Uh, emotionally, mentally, really. Uh, Apparently, we are making something like 35 decisions every single day. That's insane. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's true; doesn't matter who you are. Uh, and if you compare it to our grandfathers, that's something. Our, you know, if you do the math, it's ten thousand more than our grandfathers. Now, my and, grandfather would disagree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be, could be. Um, and you know, back then there was no telephone <laughs> no tv uh you didn't have any entertainment that's that's a different universe um now also what's happening we are exposed to 4000 ads per day uh and the goal of those people trying to do their best is to grab our attention and this if you, if you look at it this is the cursed commodity nowadays our attention so many channels facebook instagram email tv netflix um, so many companies trying to make you listen to them Uh, they have promises buy join whatever Um, and and the result i have a struggle everyone has a struggle to embrace new idea new product or new brand, that's becoming impossible when we are overwhelmed with this kind of uh, information uh, era. Um, and if you add to this, those channels, we spoke about it uh, lately, um, are not built to help me as a consumer to make a choice. More choices, I think, and this is backed by science, causing more harm. And that's becomes impossible. You know, just like go more, to stress. This... more, yeah, more stress. stress. Yeah. More stress. Yeah. More stress. Back in the days was simple. You know, uh, I, <laughs> we grew up in the same neighborhood. We had one grocery shop. You have one kind of bread and that's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you don't
0: even have to pay him <laughs> on
1: the spot. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to pay him. So, uh, you gave your credit now, like,
0: store credit. And now
1: I, I have in my uh, wallet three payment cards. Back then it was just cash and that's it and you don't have to need to pay them. Um, and also the channels are are ridiculously overwhelmed. Just open your Instagram, go to the Explore. The whole agenda is to grab your attention with weird pictures and weird videos. How do you stand out? How do you cut through the noise and try to convince somebody buy my thing because it's going to save the world or whatever uh i think that the result is this is impossible task yeah so a recap to the recap it's basically
0: i love how you started from the consumer issue so the consumer perspective but then you take it to the brand perspective because if it's a consumer problem then we have it as a brand because decision fatigue by a person eventually impacts our ability to scale a brand right? And I think in the last episode, we started touching on that. We talked about the solution, how to cut through the noise. We mentioned an example. We talked about kite pride. I think we mentioned briefly cycle of good, but in the reality, how can you really, really stand out in today's world? It turns out that there is a mechanism and that's why we wanted to record this episode today. We're both super excited because we just uh, learned about uh, one big company that did it Big time, and a few other smaller examples that can apply to all of us. And we really want to learn the principles behind it because we believe that learning that will enable you to apply it in your own brand.
1: Right? Yeah, th- that's right. Uh, we will talk about a few examples. Um, some of them are big, like Oatly, and some are small that you never heard of. But it's not about the size because also Oatly competing with giants. They have the same problems. When they started, they didn't have much money. They didn't use ads. Their carton, milk carton, was their billboard. Um, but I think what's important, uh, two things that's important to understand this is the biggest problem today, even if you Wait, search for a job.
0: Just before yeah. you
1: talk about that,
0: just let's explain what Oatly does. They sell Oatly. Yeah, I know a lot of people know them, right? Um, Sometimes you buy from the competitors like Alpro or whatever. Essentially, the product is oat milk, right? And
1: yeah, please, go ahead. Yeah. So before entering the Oatly uh, story and telling how did they manage to solve this problem, we need to understand this question is super important for everyone today. Either you're searching for a job, you want to even find a date. Cutting through the noise, because everything is possible today. I'm just going to Google or a platform and just searching and see results. This is super easy. You're ordering food, dates, (laughs) mates from uh, your app. That's insane. So the problem is bigger. It doesn't matter what you do. And we looked at the bigger brands, the biggest brands in the world, trying to figure out how they do it, because we believe the principles are the same. And we're going to start with Oatly, right? Um, and what happened lately, Oatly just raised four hundred million dollars from different parties. One of them is Blackstone and Oprah and Jay-Z. and yeah. make make you think right? Because we're also coming from you know searching for investors and suddenly Blackstone, the notorious Blackstone is choosing to uh, invest in a company's mission driven and value based sustainability. This is changing the old industry. What, what, what is happening here? Oatly is changing different industries. And I think it's really important to understand this story.
0: Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, so
1: let's start. Yeah, let's go. So we, we spoke about it on, on previously in our Instagram. We shared some things about Oatly. But I want to uh, take a different take today on Oatly. Um, you just we, we need to recall 2012. Oatly is... Wo- uh, oats with water you go to the supermarket probably will never notice them because they had an ugly packaging uh, and they were selling a commodity and the only people really bothered to buy them probably because you are lactose uh, you have a lactose intolerance um, and then the new cmo joined and uh, when tony peterson uh, joined the company he brought his friend uh, i think his name is john and john said no no way uh oats with water is not sexy. I cannot sell it. Nobody's gonna buy it. Yeah. Um, which makes you wonder yeah it's it's just just a drink and it, probably it's not that tasty. And the competition, the real competition, is milk. Everybody why stop drinking milk? Um so I think that what happened there, and I, I really want to hear your take on this what's the most important what as I see it the most important shift is their turn from a product company to a lifestyle company, from a brand to a voice. And suddenly, a lot of people start to resonate with their messaging. And, and just to really the essence of the essence, the product hadn't, uh, hasn't changed for the last 20 years, probably. What did change is the messaging and the design. And then turns outly in eight years from selling uh from worthing probably on a one hundred million to two billion dollar business and that's a huge lesson it's huge. by changing the message and changing the design the same product can become a super success yeah how do you see their what do you think about their core ingredient for success what is your take look i
0: love two things about their story one is that they also took a stand against incumbents they are playing in the dairy industry and in sweden it's like where they come from it was like a cartel you know like in many other countries and they had to challenge conventions but part of that huge struggle that they had they turned it into an advantage because that was their i don't want to say positioning but that was their position they were the bad boy, the underdog, the one that is challenging everything that is happening out there. And that helped them, everything you mentioned when you talked about you know, turning to a lifestyle brand and talking about values, talking about veganism, going against the dairy industry and being different, being cool and punchy and funny and advertising in a unique way, being fearless as they say it, right? And there's some great materials online Uh, If you want to watch by Oatly's CMO, uh, John Schoolcraft, it's called My Fucking Revolution. And he talks about how he built the company. But what I take from this, I put like a wrapping on all of that and I call it a brand story. They created something so unique that no one can copy. There's no technology there. It doesn't matter how good your product is. Today's technological moats or IP or your way to stand... Amongst the crowd and cut through the noise is by creating a really outstanding story. Now, a story is not just like uh, Goldilocks and the three bears. A, A story, when you think about the brand, is exactly that. It's that set of values that, you know, that counter perspective to what's happening in the market, maybe even having a villain like the dairy companies, and then taking that to the next level. And making certain people really adopt it and make your story, your brand, their own and they feel attached to it.
1: I think that that's really great insights. Uh, just to summarize, f- again, from my point of view, because I listen a lot to Oatly's strategy and how they build it. Um, what you see, they moved from a very pure understanding. People don't like buying brands anymore. They don't believe in it. We don't trust brands. It's really hard, you know? Uh, And they turn it into, we are a voice. Who can resonate with this voice? And that's true not only in marketing, it's true also in life. You have friends that you believe in what they believe, and that's why you're friends. Um, So they become a person, a personality. And you don't need money to become a voice. That's the thing, because what we are describing here, it's not only because they had a lot of money and resources. Yeah, of course, it took them a long time to get there. Uh, but in the end, it's human principles. They focus on what really works because nobody's doing it. Not everybody's selling a product, talking about nutrition health. Their packaging is boring. They said, you know what, fuck it, we're going to start a revolution. And that's what we believe in. And this is who we are as people, not as brand, as a brand or as a company. And that's very unique. And you don't need money or a lot of resources to start having your voice because that's unique. And it's even stupid to think, okay, I'm going to be the next Oatly because you cannot speak like Oatly anymore. This is theirs. Now you need to find your own path if you want to compete with them, if you want to compete. So my message It's to all brands owners. And also for us as a company, we need to have a voice. And voice is very cheap because it's not about money. It's about what do you believe in? Which kind of problems do you see that you want to solve? Who do you want to connect? And this is how you cut through the noise because people can lean in into a personality, a consistent voice that believes in something and not just selling them and selling. And, and, and trying to market them a solution. Brilliant. For me, this is the, yeah, this is the biggest take.
0: I'll tell you what, one thing that you said, well, I, mean, I know you didn't mean it. So you said voice is very cheap. I know that you didn't mean by, by that, you were trying to say that it's not cheap. It just doesn't cost a lot of money. You can create your own voice even without money. It's just the amount of time and work and thinking you have to put into that. But it's accessible for everyone. You don't have to be a $200 million brand to do it. So it's cheap in double quotation marks, but it's the one thing that even companies with money forget how to do. And it's the one thing that can give you an edge today.
1: True, right? It's expensive to create it. It's not like you need to think and to really articulate what you're trying to say and why, but it's it's not about money. That's the thing. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I think it's a great conduit to the next story because, you know, if someone can still look at it and say, oh, what do these guys want from me? They talk about Oatly, whatever. Oatly started with $20 million in revenue. They had a board of directors and they hired the best agency in Sweden. Fuck you guys. I'm not listening to that. Well, you know what? That's exactly the point we just made about money. And now I want to share a story about someone who really came from nowhere. And it's a... fascinating young lady actually we should invite her next time to talk to us yeah we should her name is Noi and she's from Israel and uh, where Sharon and I are from as well she's 29 years old and she's currently making 20 million pounds a year selling fruits and vegetables and what I love about her story is that I'm going to tell you quickly what happened in her life so as a kid she grew up in a farm her grandparents had a farm in the north of Israel and they had beautiful fruits and vegetables and one day she went to the supermarket with her mom and she saw a peach sitting on a shelf really looking like shit with flies hovering all over it and it was disgusting and she she was a kid she pulled her mommy on her dress and she said mommy why does the peach on the shelf look so nasty whereas the peach at grandpa's farm on the tree looks so fresh and her mom didn't have a good answer but a few years later um her family started dealing with selling produce and her dad was carrying the baton. So he was, when Noi was 15, he was like the breadwinner and he used to sell uh, produce and he used to connect suppliers to stores. And he had a whole operation and he made like 20,000 pounds a week. And it was amazing until one day they were, he was robbed violently and people took his money away. And that was a turning point in Noy's life. She was 15 years old and that story blew my mind. And she remembered how her dad struggled and he was traumatized and he was never the same again. But when she was 21, a few years later, she decided to fight it. And she started going alone to the night market, trying to buy local produce from local farmers and sell it. And no one would sell to her. And why did she do that? It's because she saw something broken in the world. She saw that high quality merchandise, the same thing she noticed as a kid, is still a pain. It's still missing in the world. It's broken. You get cheap merchandise that sits there for two weeks. No one is telling you what's the source. It's being sprayed with anti-pesticides materials. And it's just a shitty experience. And she said, that for people who care about quality and care about the story behind the vegetables and fruits and care about freshness, I'm going to create something unique. You're going to pay more for it. I'm not going to apologize for that, but that's going to be my business. And slow start, but eventually she became a multi-chain with seven branches, employing dozens of people, including her dad, And making 20 million pounds a year. At the same time, she even got married and had two kids. And it's an amazing, uh, like Cinderella story. Now, what I love about it, that long winded story, is just a single thing. She created a story out of nowhere by connecting her personal life with what's broken in the world. I'd love to stop here and hear what you have to say about it,
1: Sharon. It's a brilliant story because you need to get into her shoes. She was traumatized as a kid. Uh, Her father was robbed and injured, was working in the same industry, in the same role she she chose uh, later, uh, connecting consumers with farmers. And she's a lady, 21 years old, no experience, just still student in college. And she's driving at nights to the night market to buying fruits and vegetables from farmers. And you need to see this scene. This is uh, Israel. It's men's, men's world, <laughs> 40, 50. And suddenly you see a blonde, uh, nice-looking girl with uh, some money asking, can I buy it? And nobody trusted her. I said, I'm not selling you anything. I don't believe. Just go. Go home. What are you doing? It's like 4 a.m. Go home. <laughs> yeah this is insane she's like against all the odds it's not her domain it's she she has nothing to offer really and she started really slowly and in the beginning she didn't make any money and she wanted to take a loan and open first branch because she was selling to stores Uh, she went to 100 banks and they declined her uh, request for a loan and it took her a while to, one one bank owner said, okay, I'm going to trust you. You have the ambition. You look like the kind of uh, woman is going to make it. Uh, but the journey that she walked through is really painful. And from this pain as a child, as a grown-up, she became a multi-million uh, retail chain just by selling a product that you can buy everywhere. But she realized something very deep. Back in the days, probably, because I don't know this market very well, but apparently there was a demand, she realized people are missing really good uh, vegetables, tasty, fresh ones. They don't even know they're missing it. But once they will taste this kind of fresh, they just picked up by someone a few hours ago, and now you can put it in your table, this is going to be an amazing experience. They're going to talk about it. They're going to miss it. Moreover. She's selling the stories of the farmers, the families who who are producing this amazing stuff. And they're telling it to her customers. So what you see, she's connecting stories, the consumer stories, the farmers, and enable them in a magical way to communicate even if they didn't meet each other. And it wasn't possible before her. And it's not about the money. It's about connecting beautiful values and stories and people and let them experience what they both believe in. And I think that's the magic. And she started from nowhere. This is not Oatly. There is no, you know, for Oatly, you can argue uh, they have a patent maybe. The people that basically invented Oatly, they they are scientists. There is science behind this. This is the same people who discovered the lactose intolerance okay but she's like no one right if you compare it but just with the right drives and feelings and motivations and memories she believed people deserve better and she believes in storytelling the
0: greater is, the struggle the greater the story and yeah in a if way yeah. don't yeah if she didn't have all those pain points like her dad getting robbed violently and You know, growing up in a farm and seeing the poor quality in the supermarket and then trying to get a loan and not succeeding. This is all part of a beautiful life story, which turns into a beautiful brand story, which, when
1: told correctly, really helps you cutting through the noise. True, because you can buy orange or a tomato everywhere, right? Yeah. There is no scarce of tomatoes. Why should I pay more and come back to your store? This is insane. Just think about it. It's not like selling your uh, special shirt from organic cotton. This is I can buy it everywhere. Um, And I think, yeah, with the personal story and the drive and the need to give people different experience, that was uh, what was missing in the market. I love that.
0: So. Let's let's summarize it. We heard two stories, one of them by supposedly a major brand called Oatly making oat water. And the story of Noi Hasadeh, that's the name of the brand if you want to learn more about it, it. It means literally the beauty of the field. The first part of the name is her first name, Noi. And you, it's probably all in Hebrew, but uh, you can Google translate. It's called Noi Hasadeh. So the story of Oatly, the story of Noi, which, you know, she was like a one woman show came out of nowhere and both sold a commodity, you know, what we, you, you would consider a commodity turning it into a brand, creating an amazing story in the process. And then we asked ourselves the question that we're going to try to answer before Sharon has to go and pick up his kids. And that question is um, whether other brands can do something similar. So if, I don't have uh, the CMO of Oatly alongside me. And if my father wasn't violently robbed and I have this amazing story from my childhood, can I still create a brand story out of thin air? And I think that that question is best answered by the story of Cycle of Good. And maybe Sharon, you can introduce that story.
1: Yeah, Cycle of Good is one of our brand uh, members in the community. Uh, George is the owner or co-owner, and she came up with a brilliant idea—really brilliant. She's taking waste, which is uh, used cycle uh, tubes, uh, sending it to Africa, uh, where she is teaching women to produce uh, bags and wallets out of this waste. So she's giving them job and education. Uh, using young designers uh, to design those products and shipping it back to UK and selling it in the high street. And I think the magic... And if you read the reviews uh, out there, uh, Trustpilot, people love it. Uh, They share this story. She is Right now, she's selling it in 100 stores across UK. And you can say, you know, this is... If you look at the products if you don't have the story, it looks like another bag, really. Uh, You can argue. Uh, It's not about beauty. It's not about uniqueness. And what you see people love, it's what they're doing. They're connecting the unconnected. So I think this shows us this case, this story, that you might not have this knowledge, but there are certain people who need to connect, like I have waste, I have designers, I have people searching for jobs somewhere. We can be part of this impact chain and connect the consumer inside to this kind of impact that we are producing. And out of this, people feel the belonging. When I'm buying this bag, I'm part of something. It's not just a bag. I think it's something I can brag to my friends, my family. Listen, you need to hear this thing that I just bought. What they are doing is amazing. What's happening at that second, people start feeling belonging, feeling this kind of story of cycle of good is part of their identity. So we believe there is another principle here that cutting through the noise is telling stories that people will love to share, that they feel they're part of, and those stories build by connecting the unconnected. This is my take on George and Cycle of Good. How how do you see what what they did and doing right now?
0: Man, I'll be honest with you. When I first met George, I met her at a trade show and I saw the products. And first I thought to myself, because we came from all those boutiques and we saw really beautiful products, I looked at her wallets and belts and I was like, oh, what's that? You know, I was, it's made out of inner tube of bicycle. It's, it, it doesn't look like a Gucci bag. And I was a bit pretentious. I was like, oh, you know, I was like, well, what is she doing here? But then she started talking and she told me what they're doing. And she told me about um a bit about her history that she used to work in Africa and she saw, she met people in Malawi, and it helped her conceive that concept of cycle of good. And they're doing it not only with um inner tubes they're doing it with coffee bags and they're doing it with bicycle because you can buy from them and they'll give a pair to someone in africa and there's a whole recycle upcycle impact do good chain that is behind their brand, and also she told me how successful they are and Then I was mesmerized because I met that day other brands that were had products that looked much nicer but they sold nothing. They had an attitude much more, they were like rude and and they didn't want to hear, they weren't open to anything. Not to judge anyone, but that's like the real story. And then you see something like that and it was just mesmerizing, mesmerizing. It opened my heart. I loved it. The second thing I love about it is what you just said. It's a story that when you buy from them, you want to tell your wife about it, your husband, you want to Call your mom or your best friend and tell them, guess what I bought today? You see that thing right here, this belt? Oh, you think it's ugly? Let me tell you the story behind it I'll tell you why it's beautiful. And you shut them up
1: and it's amazing.
0: And it becomes your story.
1: So, yeah, the, the, there is a even bigger thing here. Uh, always remind me, you know, if you take Pepsi and Cola in a blind test, people drink want to choose Pepsi and not Cola. If you offer wine experts different kind of wines in different price range, they cannot tell who is better based on pricing, which means we are telling a story to ourselves, and the story becomes the reality. And people think if you give them the same wine, okay? this is backed by science, the same wine, four glasses. Say the first glass is five dollars. This is 10, 15 and 50. same wine. People will say that the glass that's worth 50 pounds or dollars is better. In the reality, it's the same wine. So I keep asking myself, what is real? And this is placebo, right? You can give somebody a sugar pill and he will be healed because he believed in it. Um, Which makes you think, what is beauty? And once you have this kind of story, people start to believe in it. And they really think, you know, iPhone is better. (laughs) Nike is the best. Oatly is tastier. It's not true. It's because you chose to believe in something, suddenly your body, your mind adjusts to the story and start feel it like it's real. So the power of story is so profound, we cannot even imagine. Uh, And cycle of good is a good example. If you compare how it looks, I don't know if you will notice, not a brand, but if I'll tell you the story, you will remember. You want to be part of it. It's not just another bag. There is a meaning. And I think that's the
0: beauty here. It's true. I think it's like very easy to nullify. You know, you and I, we come from like the tech industry. We hang out with people that live and breathe tech. And what they're all going to say to you is that, yeah, who has the best technology, you know, Um, you gotta have a technology moat and you need to track those KPIs and double down on those, on those channels and all that. And, um, I think there's a major shift happening and these brands that we mentioned across all industries, it's not just by selling commodities, even in tech, you start seeing that, um, slowly emerging the winners of today. And the winners of tomorrow are not those that have the best technology, Or the best go-to-market strategy. In fact, the best go-to-market strategy is having an amazing brand story. And understanding the components, how to build that, is what gives you an edge. In Cycle of Good's case, it was supply chain, impact, connecting the unconnected, creating it around certain values. Oatly had a different take on it. Noi had also her own perspective. She saw what's broken. She had some connections with her family and it made sense for her. But what we're starting to do now at Sapia with our brands and with ourselves, with our brand as well, and what we would love other people to do is to distill the core principles behind these success stories and learn how to apply them in your own brand building journey. I know we can get into it today. I'd love to hear what you think about it, Charon, and maybe we'll leave
1: some um, intrigue for the next episode. Yeah, so before finalize, this is this question everyone needs to ask himself. If you produce anything, if you wanna get a job, I don't know, it doesn't matter. What is the story that you're telling and would people like to share it? And if you look at the status quo right now, most of the brands participate in the games of platforms. And the game of platforms is very dangerous from a story point of view. Because I don't want to mention names, but let's take Amazon, for example. Just imagine your platform that you're using. If you go to Amazon, you search by features, pricing, and reviews. When you reach a product, it means the consumer already made a choice Now it's a matter of pricing. You will never get a chance to tell a story. Doesn't matter how big and beautiful it is. Never. So what's happening, even if you have a good one, you don't have the means, the channels today to tell your story in those platforms. And this is very dangerous because in the end, you will be commoditized. And then for people, you're just another product out there. And those brands that we mentioned, they kept on telling stories in the right channels. So I'm not going to give you the answer. I just want people to understand the biggest, not the, the most successful brands, even the, those that you don't know in their industry, they have some kind of a framework that they're using. They manage to cut through the noise. There is principles behind us. It's not by luck. And this is why we build what we are building because to help those brands to learn those principles. And this can happen to you if you follow them, if you keep thinking about them and implement them. And I think in the next episode, we're going to talk about or go deeper about stories. And what is a story? Why people listen to story? Why does it matter? Okay, I understand. Oatly, annoy, I I got you. Okay, what's what's next? But this is uh, the good stuff for our next episode.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, one more point on that, because you're so right. Like we're looking now for a picture to hang on the wall in our house and, um, we don't have much money to spend. So we go by, we're not looking for a story. We're looking for a product. So we went on Etsy and we looked for a picture and I saw that it has 2000 sales. And it made me question myself for a second because I said, Hey, I just bought a product based on nothing other than features And price. But I think that's exactly the issue. Even though the store we bought from had like 3,000 sales and they seem to be doing better than other stores, at some point, someone will copy it if it will become widely successful. Not only that, when I buy from them, I don't even know who they are. They don't care about me. I don't care about them. And Etsy is getting a coupon out of it. I don't remember who is the artist. I don't know how to find him or her again. And I don't care, honestly. And I think that is the problem with relying on these channels. It's not, of course, you can make money, some money, but it's about whether you wanna build something long term, whether you wanna stand out or not, and whether you wanna be dependent on these channels who essentially own the buying, the buyer's market. You don't own it as a seller. So that's a personal story I wanted to share. I'd love to hear your take on it and then we can uh, really wrap up as promised and you can go pick up the children.
1: One question that I'm asking myself. Some of you, maybe all of you, are going to succeed. The real question, is it going to matter? And in these turbulent times, we, as humanity, we're facing so many challenges. And I want you to ask yourself, is it going to matter? And stories make it stories make it matters for people uh, they have something to believe in to be part of and this for me the biggest stake: is it gonna matter what I'm gonna do um, and selling in a platform probably not and selling a commodity probably not and just doing my little thing probably not and that's the question I want people to ask themselves is it gonna matter what is my legacy what am I living here uh, behind me Uh, yeah I think that's it for today okay
0: thank you guys for listening thank you Sharon I think I love the way we wrapped it up and truly a message for ourselves for others and I think the stories of Oatly and Noi and Cycle of Good that we unraveled today were mind-blowing and we're gonna talk about some really interesting stories in the next episode as well Thank you for listening and look Thank for you to seeing you soon.
1: Yeah. Bye-bye.